Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Leftovers Podcast with Derek Kramer. I'm going to say a stupid thing right now. Pudding. Where's my money? Frank R. Curry. I didn't say run through a wall. Do it again? Okay. And Kyle Powell. The Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR550.com. Welcome into another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. And no Kyle Powell today. He's on assignment with Bison's duty. However, Frank, we're going to turn back the clock here. Yeah. Yeah. It's because it's time for rehash radio, I guess. Because, again, things shouldn't matter that people think matter. One week ago. Was it a week ago that the Blues won the Stanley Cup? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a week. It's been a week. And Ryan O'Reilly was named the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Yeah. Along with the Stanley Cup. Which then people got mad. Which got me annoyed because why does it matter? If you hated the trade, you hated the trade. It's over. Just because Ryan O'Reilly keeps stacking up awards does not mean that the trade somehow got worse. It's just not a good trade. That's what happened. Done. You think Hurricanes fans are uh, are happy that Jeff Skinner is gone for Jack and or crap because Skinner didn't make the playoffs or win any postseason awards? No, that was a bad trade. It was pretty dumb of them. And the prospect they got, they traded him away. For, for nothing. For literally nothing. Wasn't it future considerations? Yes. That's literally nothing. That's nothing. Literally, actually nothing. Yeah. That doesn't mean that the Hurricanes didn't make a bad trade or that Jason Bottrell didn't make a good trade because Jeff Skinner didn't get any postseason awards. No. It's this and this only. It was a bad trade. That's all it was. Just because, oh, hey, let's add a Selkie trophy to this does not mean that it gets more ridiculous, people. It just means Ryan O'Reilly is who he is. A defensive forward who should be up for those kinds of trophies anyway. Holy crap. So I don't get it. I don't get why it's people because have Buffalo to... fans want to find a way to get upset. Right now, yes. That's all what it is. Sabres Twitter seems to just be an endless pit of misery and self-pity, I'd even say. I mean, it doesn't help with that the team is bad. It doesn't but help at the that sa- the team is bad. But at the same time, like... Like, why are you hating on Tage Thompson? Yeah. Yes, he didn't have a great season, but is it his fault that he was mismanaged? No. The first-round pick is still there. That's their job, is to make sure that those two assets really become something. Yeah. Patrick Berglund accidentally became cap relief. Instead of a fourth line center, and we're plotting on whether we should buy out Patrick Berglund or Vladimir Saboka. 
because they're both ending up being terrible. No, instead, it's just, oh, hey, Ryan O'Reilly won another award. This trade's even stupider. No, it's just stupid. It's okay. It gets stupider if Thompson fails. It gets stupider if they use their first-round pick on a guy who should not belong in the first round, and he doesn't develop into anything, and they take a bust. If that first-round pick becomes nothing, then, yeah, the trade becomes worse. If they trade that first round, what O'Reilly, what O'Reilly does in St. Louis has no implication on the trade. Correct. How do we evaluate the Jeff Skinner trade? Skinner scored forty goals with the Sabers. Yeah. How does Carolina evaluate it? Well, crap, we needed picks. scoring. We got some draft picks. That's it. We got some draft That's picks. It. That's it. We got to make sure that they actually become roster players. Something. They knew they were going to lose Skinner for nothing, so they got something out of it. Yeah. So there you go. It became clear Skinner didn't want to play in Carolina anymore. And he would have got those mega bucks if he left the Carolina Hurricanes. Because something tells me that he would have done fairly decent there, too, because he's a natural goal scorer. Hmm. Neat. If he had a if he had a forty goal year with Carolina, something tells me that he would have gotten nine million dollars on the open market. He might have got nine and a half on the open market. Maybe. My case being this: still, again, Ryan O'Reilly getting more awards does not mean you need to go ahead and be more upset. You don't. You don't have to. And look at me, Frank. I'm actually saying this all nice and calm-like and not JoJo the Idiot Circus Clown. Why? Because I already did that. (laughs) This is literally old news that I have to go ahead and recycle something. A, because sports offseason is true hell. And B, well, it's relevant again because people are bitching again. A Selkie trophy added on to everything does not make everything worse. Individual awards do not make things worse. As a matter of fact, you still just have two important jobs. Mm-hmm. Make sure that that 31st pick means something. Mm-hmm. Make sure that Tage Thompson becomes something. Mm-hmm. Huh. Neat. And it's probably going to be the same thing with with and if he gets traded. And there... Look, depending on what you, it's depending on depending on what you get for him, but you know what? It's the same thing. It's probably the most natural segue we're going to get about <laughs> Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> okay. There are people saying, you know, one of the biggest arguments that you hear about tra- not trading Ristolainen is, what if it ends up like Ryan O'Reilly? Well, then the GM gets into hot water because he didn't get good assets for something. That's his job. You don't just trade him away because you fear that he might be Ryan O'Reilly. It's just like saying that you don't want to sign Jeff Skinner because Billy Lano happened. You don't hold yourself back because of what has happened in the past. Who would you think's right for the team? And if that's keeping Ristolainen, I'm sorry, people, but that might be it, a thing. They, he, they might. Bitch, I'm starting they to might. think there's a possibility. Ready? Ralph Kruger might want to work with Ristolainen. Ready? Here we go. Look. 
I know his numbers are terrible in analytics-wise. I can't even pretend to tell you that I know of everything about analytics. Here's what I see when you show me those charts. Blue means good, red means bad. That's about it. I don't know what each of these things means relative to what the actual charts are portraying to me. Here's what I do know. My eyeballs tell me he's kind of an idiot in the breakout. Mm-hmm. And by kind of, I mean he's really bad at it. Mm-hmm. I don't need fancy charts to tell me that Rasmus Ristolainen is not the player that the Sabres once thought he was going to be. So please quit shoving them down my throat. <laughs> I'd appreciate it. I'd like to breathe. Because my eyes can tell me something that those charts are also probably saying. My eyes are telling me alone. That Ristolainen in his own end is a danger. You know who else is? Brett Burns. Yeah. I don't think San Jose Sharks fans complain about Brent Burns at all. Right? No. No. The only thing between Burns and Ristolainen is Burns is an elite offensive player that can generate offense for you and actually lead the team in scoring. Yeah. So maybe you have a minor league Brent Burns. Is that a bad thing? No. Yes, Burns is probably stronger in his own end, but he's still not necessarily what I'd call a defensive stalwart. No, he's still not the best. And he's probably not if even you, the best if, true if defender Ristol on his Linen team. If is a poor man's Brett Burns, like that's not a bad thing. Yeah, and it just he needs to be, he would need to be used correctly. Like now, Brett Burns gets a ton of minutes. But he's still used very well in a way where his his defensive game is shadowed more by Vlasic with because he's he's playing with guys like Vlasic, yes, playing with and now Eric Carlson's there, but he's mostly used when Eric he's Carlson. on the he's mostly used on the ice offensively. Eric Carlson's not the most defensive blue liner that there is, and again. Look, I get it. You can go ahead and argue me these charts, and I don't know what the hell you're talking about half the time. I'm going to be real. But I know that there's a point. That said, keep your wrist aligned and hatred at bay. Because, again, you might have to deal with it for another season. Yeah, you might. And that's not my edict. I'm okay with seeing either or happen. Whether they trade them, you best get good assets for them. Or, if they keep him, you best find a way to fix him. That's my mandate. Hey, and if Ralph Kruger's up for, up for that, Look, coaches can be prideful it. to a fault. Yeah, sure, but... Look at Phil Housley, constantly trying to shove a square peg in a round hole all yeah. the damn time. At some point, you do have to worry about, okay, when do you cut bait? Oh, of course. Yeah, always. But that doesn't mean that you absolutely have to right now. Yeah, you don't have to. You could trade him whenever you want to. But also, that does not mean that they cut bait just to cut bait. You got to get something good for it. You got to get something good for the player. Otherwise, why are you doing this? It's addition by subtraction. Yeah, okay. Sure. I'm not really going to believe that one just yet. Mm Mm-hmm. As of right now, I would suspect that the defensive core looks better with Rasmus Ristolainen in a middle pairing than I would with Rasmus Ristolainen straight up off the team and you getting 
a seventh round pick for him. Get me something. Yeah. NHL GMs seem to be high on this guy. So maybe you can get something. Maybe you can get something. Who knows? That could help. It's worth a damn to try. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you hold off just because Ryan O'Reilly blew up in your face. You don't be scared of dealing because something blew up on you. It's about making sure that you get through it. It's about making sure you make that next deal a good one, a better one. So there it is. I'm the ultimate fence man on Rasmus Ristolainen. Do they trade him? Do they not trade him? Me? I don't care. Make sure you do it right, whatever your option is. Yeah, pretty much. That's it for me. Make sure you're putting a competitive team on the ice next year. Think you compete all year. First Lions a part of that? Cool. If he's not, you better hope that a guy that comes in Get is. something that is. Yeah. Don't get me a second, third, sixth, and Cliff Poo for Rasmus Ristolainen. So, okay. I bet you he's worth a little bit more than that. I dropped my phone. Frank's but, mad. He's untethered. Look out. I'm not no, used to this. I would, no, okay, okay. <laughs> I need. I I did come up with an an idea for a Ristolainen trade. Okay. There's a couple. I, I you know I came up with a couple over the last few days. But look, there's always a bunch of fantasy camp yeah. trade deals. But now you want to look at bad ideas? Just go on Cap Friendly's Armchair GM, and you'll realize, man, maybe we shouldn't give fans opinions. <laughs> now, or even some media members. <laughs> I'm I'm still looking at Edmonton as a team that needs a defenseman. Obviously, Nuja Hopkins is there. I wonder if they would dangle him in a trade to get a defenseman. But I've all and so I've, so there's always that potential of a one for one Ristolainen for Nuge. There's all I've also looked at the possibility of Ristolainen and pick 31 for Nuge and Jesse Puyarvi, who has requested a trade. And is not afraid to sign in the KHL next year. That has been reported that he will, he is, he he will go overseas if likely if he doesn't get traded. Man, Edmonton, what are you doing? So maybe you could do, maybe you can do something like that. But I've thought of, I thought of a different one, and it does involve it involves futures in a way by trading Rissalainen. Vancouver. Vancouver was linked about having discussions. Yes. But what, what, pray tell, can you get me from the Vancouver Canucks? First off, nothing's necessarily off the table. Jim Benning is a wild card. He either wins deals outright or he looks like a dummy and there's no in-between. So here's my idea. You can tell me literally any idea. Other than Elias Pettersson or Brock Besser, and I'd probably believe it. Ristolainen to Vancouver for Ole Ulevi, who was there 2016, first round pick. Yep. He was like fifth overall. He was taken in the same draft as uh, Neilander, right? Yep. And one, maybe one. Or maybe two or a, another prospect 
one guy I thought of looking at it, looking at their prospect list is William Lockwood, who's a, uh, I believe he was a forward playing in college right now. I could actually check that. Yeah, that'd be great. He's, he's not signed though. Oh, so he's not twenty one, twenty sixteen third round pick. Currently playing at Michigan. Okay. Had thirty one points in thirty six games last season. Solid. Yeah, and maybe you get another draft pick out of that. Again, it'd be inter- that'd be a decent get. Solid. Like maybe haul. you get a second there or something. I don't know. Get something. If it means you'll levy, you might have an NHL defender. You're hoping the for problem an with NHL Le- defender. The problem with Yule Levy is that he's kind of in the same boat as Puyarvi and Nylander is, where he has not. He struggled to break out. And sometimes a new situation allows players to do that. Yeah. Maybe, or maybe you do something where if Vancouver really thinks that they can compete next year, maybe you convince them to give them your 2020 first and you will levy. Yeah, there's a lot of options that you can go with here. And I remember that Vancouver also, though, was. In these discussions, wasn't it LeBron reporting this that uh, Zach Bogosian's name was thrown in there? Oh, it was the it was a no, it was a Vancouver guy who works okay. for Sportsnet. Uh, I don't remember his name, I'll but he mentioned he mentioned Vancouver and Buffalo were talking about a right shot defenseman, but he couldn't. He said he didn't know if it was Ristolainen or Bogosian. I remember I remember reading that. Um so I don't I don't know. But I think that I think, you know, getting a I mean he yes, Yule Levy is a struggling prospect, but maybe he just needs that change of scenery and I mean if he does work out, like he's a really good defense he's really good. All right. Like, I'm done. You ready for a non-sports bitch fest in a sports podcast? Okay. Windows what, what happened? Up, Windows updates can kiss the whitest part of my ass. What's your computer doing? It's being a dick because it's force-fed updates that I tell it I don't want. You ask anyone if Windows updates have made their computer worse or not, and they probably will say, yes, they have. Windows updates suck. Leave me alone. My computer's fine. Stop trying to give me things that I don't need, like your Microsoft Edge that nobody uses. Everyone just uses Google Chrome like a normal person. Stop. I hate you. You're ruining my computer. There we go. Minor bitch fest. Done. Updates are terrible. They make things worse because that makes people want to buy new things. Smart, evil strategy. 
There we go. So are we just waiting for your computer now to update? Yes! <laughs> That's what's going on here. I haven't been able to look at my damn computer for anything over the past, like, 15 minutes that we've had this podcast going on. By the way, I think it was Mike Johnston. There it is. I finally found I finally got it. Because my computer's deciding now, okay, maybe we can get things to work. Nope, nope, it was not. Johnston put together the article. It was Rick Dhalliwal? Dhalliwal? D-H-A-L-I-W-A-L. Dhalliwal. Okay. I'm going with Dhalliwal. Okay. Because it sounds smoother on the tongue. Dhalliwal. And then Sportsman's Dan Murphy adds that Benning isn't looking to part with draft picks. He'd be shocked if the 10th overall pick was involved in any sort of trade. That's not excluding next year. That sounds more like this year. Yeah. But again, the thing, the report is that they're expected to go after a number one defenseman or trying to bolster the blue line as a whole because they're expected to be targeting Jake Gardner or Tyler Myers. Mm-hmm. They're looking on extending Alex Edler. And that's where Dolly Wall comes in and says that the Canucks could be interested in either Rasmus Ristolainen or Zach Bogosian. Like I said, it's Jim Benning. You never know really what's going to happen. Yeah. So we'll see if anything comes out of that. So apparently, I got a new little uh, NHL thing. Apparently, Elliot Friedman is reporting that the Leafs offered Mitch Marner eight years, $11 million a year. And Marner said no. What? What? I get holding out for what you want. But how are you topping that? How are you topping that? I don't know if this I don't know if it if it is true. It better be. Or it better not be, I should say. Yeah. Cause then Marner sounds like an idiot. You get that max eight years and eleven million. Eleven million per season, and Marner is what, twenty one? Twenty two. Twenty two. He'd be thirty and still in what I would call a relative prime of his career to hit another UFA day. You know what that obviously sounds like? It sounds like he wants the Matthews contract. More than $11 million and less term. Did Austin Matthews break the league for young players signing deals? My column. <laughs> <laughs> But think about it. That might actually be something that could be a problem growing in the future. I think it would depend on the other RFAs. Braden Point, Patrick Laine, Kyle Connor, Mikko Rantanen. I think Laine is suspect to a bridge deal. Right, but I'm saying is we have to see what happens with with those RFAs as well before we make that decision of Matthews broke the... Because we're already talking about that with dry. We've already been talking about that hey, with dry Toronto, Me- Toronto media is allowed to go ahead and kick these things into eleven. Why can't I? Right. Eleven point six for five years. That's Austin Matthews's contract. You're gonna tell me that 
getting half a million less per season and getting eight years is going to be a problem? Okay. So here, here's here's a here, here's the quote. Kiprielson on five ninety. Carlson and Skinner deal means Marner will only take eleven million plus. No progress is being made. Marner's camp feels an offer sheet will be there. Leafs are going to up their offer before slash at the draft one last time and then call their bluff on the offer sheet. That's smart. Oh, yeah. That's smart of the team. Why not? At that point, that's ridiculous. Like, I know wow. Rasmus Dahlin's going to get paid. But I also think that Rasmus Dahlin's camp isn't going to go ahead and try to... Kiprio, or, yeah, or, what was it? Seemingly screw the team. I thought it was Kiprios, I should say. Kipri- so, but it's still, but if it's, a, if it's a Kiprios... If it's eight years and 11 per... Oh. It's a massive cap hit, and that's the third Toronto player... Yeah. Getting over $11 million, or getting $11 million or more for at least five years. Kiprios also mentions that Patrick Mar- if Patrick Marlowe only wants to be traded back to San Jose. Sharks might have a little problem there. Just a little bit. He does have a no movement, so... Sharks actually have fifteen million. But, Remember, they still got to sign. But guys. six million would go to Patrick Marlowe, and I think that's something they would rather avoid. That's right. They flipped Jesse Braun. That's why there's some cap relief yeah. there. Now they got to do Martin Jones. Martin Jones is getting paid five point seven five over the next five years. Yep, Wolf. That's bad. I mean, at the time of when he when he signed it, it was good. Because he was playing well, he just had an awful year. You, you you hope that he bounces back. You hope that he bounces back, but that's why you don't give goaltenders these kinds of deals anymore. Because you can look at Martin Jones. All right, so what did you think about this? Um, with the awards. What's more ridiculous? The fact that a 25-year-old goaltender that didn't even play half the season still got to be second in the Calder finish? Or that Essa Lindell got a vote in the Norris Trophy? What's more ridiculous? Yes. Probably Lindell. Like, who's the idiot? A Dallas who's, beat writer. Whose vote are we taking away? The uh, Dallas, a Southern Dallas beat writer. Asa Lindell. I mean, he's a good defenseman, but not Norris worthy. Let me let me just say this again. Asa Lindell got a vote for the Norris Trophy. Essa Lindell's greatest performance was when he fell over three times, getting checked by Robert Bortuzzo. Uh. Dude did, did just get paid, though. 
I'm still saying his greatest performance is when he flopped three times from getting hit by Robert Bortuzzo. <laughs> and by hit, I mean pushed. And by pushed, I mean adequately checked by being pushed. Not even really pushing with a lot of force. And I like how we're just completely ignoring the fact that Bennington was second in Calder over Darlene. We are, because you know something ridiculous? What? Aslindel got a vote and not his... <laughs> Superior defender in Miro Heiskinen. So or Dallas John beat, Klingberg. So, so Dallas beat writer, my ass. That had to be his agent. Or the president of the Esselindel fan club has a vote. Maybe. Either way, we have to take a vote away from somebody. Because that is not right. Eric Carlson got four fifth-place votes, also known as only three more of those than Essa Lindell. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Suter got one fifth-place vote, also known as the same amount as Essa Lindell. Thomas Shabbat, the only good defender on the Ottawa Senators. Got the same amount. Who's drunk? A lot of people. No, that's in particular one. One person is definitely drunk. Yeah, one person is drunk. That one's just redonkulous right there. It's always some weird ones. There's always some weird ones. Speaking of weird ones, this is the best transition we're going to get to this. Oh, yeah? Speaking of weird ones, we do need to talk about the NHL draft. That's tomorrow. And what better person to do it than with Brayton Wilson? And that's on the other side of this mini break here, right here on the Leftovers podcast. Thanks for listening. Derek Kramer. Brett Curry, And we'll be joined by Brayton Wilson in, well, I'd probably say about 40 seconds if you're listening right now. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we're back on the Leftovers Podcast after your, I don't know how many seconds delay it was. You're the genius listening, not me. So, actually, sometimes I do listen back to us, Frank, and sometimes we sound pretty dumb. I already know that. Anyway, this is, this is still the Leftovers Podcast with Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. Because, well, you're still listening. So, this is the same file. It's the same podcast. I would hope we're not something else all of a sudden. Next thing you know, it's One Bill's Live. Wait, what the hell happened here? Where did we go? What what happened? Someone screwed up the upload. Anyway, as I said, as I promised, we have Brayton Wilson with us. Because Brayton knows a thing or two about a thing or two about this upcoming NHL draft, which is this weekend. Tomorrow. Thank you. 
for coming down the hall, my Well, friend. you know, thank you guys for having me on, as, uh, as you guys often like to do. I am very happy to be joining you and talking some hockey today. Yes, real quick, though, um, that, that MLB thing. With, uh, the, with the with the Rays, yeah, the yeah, hell? new just breaking. Uh, it it's very puzzling. I mean, why would you want to go play in Florida for half the season and then travel your you know take your entire operations up north to Canada to go play in Montreal for the rest of the year? It, it is a it kind of dumbfounds me why they would do that. Why not just move the Tampa Bay Rays franchise to a well, city you know what? where everybody wants a baseball team in Montreal and nobody wants them in Tampa Bay? Well, you know what? Nobody does smart the, things. So the MLB's done that, done that before, with Montreal. Mm-hmm. Right before they moved to Washington, they were playing some of their games in Montreal and some of the games in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. pick me, pick me, pick very, me, pick me. And then eventually, and then eventually, they moved to Washington, became the Nationals. Okay, Derek, what? Mister Jokey, joke time. Go ahead. It's the Montreal X-rays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's here comes the hook stage left boo. pulling you off stage. I say boo because that <laughs> I I already saw that someone already did that. Oh, I'm sad. Well, to whoever that person was, I'm pulling the hook for them too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's a Fair terrible, enough. terrible. No, joke. but the MLB's done that before, so oh, yeah. this has to be a precursor to the Rays eventually relocating. Which is which? It could be back. It could be to Montreal. Which it is could exactly be somewhere else. What the MLB really needs is is for the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that can barely ever fill their stadium. Yeah. To oh, yeah. relocate it's the no Rays, surpri- it's send re- them it's to Montreal. Really, no surprise. Have a second team in Canada again. I mean, yeah. I mean, Toronto. And this time, Toronto's a good baseball market, and Montreal was a good baseball market. Yeah. Even though they were never really all that good when they were in Montreal, the one year they it were still good, doesn't matter. The season ended early, right? But now the potential of Montreal and Toronto now in the same division opens up a lot. That would make things a lot more interesting. All right. Well, we brought you here for a reason, Brayden. Mm-hmm. It wasn't baseball. And it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, I'm I'm about... always good for baseball talk, but yeah, let's let's get to the real reason why I'm here. Yes, let's yes. let's not let's not waste any more time because we don't have you for very long. Let's not dilly dally around anymore. What, as we continue to dilly-dally about not dilly-dallying. <laughs> the NHL draft, it's this weekend, and it starts tomorrow. Yes, Frank, I was just trying to be more broad in the sense of things because it's more than just one pick in one round, Francis. It is yes. seven rounds, and as many picks as a team may or may not have, like the Columbus Blue Jackets, who have two picks. <laughs> Sorry, my Radio.com app was automatically playing look at hollywood to... with his volume listen, hollywood man. listen okay uh, I, I know i know that it's the radio etiquette or whatever to have your volume down on my phone but i do have it set to vibrate mode it's just that you i just literally got a new up. phone probably a week ago and i did not have the time to reset my settings on the radio.com app so when i was trying to access my uh my mock draft again just so i have something to reference uh, it just went to autoplay, and so Come the, the on, audio that Brayden. you heard. Steel yeah, Cage, I know. you got to have I'm, that up here. Uh, man, I am just a terrible, terrible personality for, man, for radio. We... I should just quit right now. Who, who brought him on here today? Who did this? You. <laughs> it was you. Don't lie. Oh, that was the joke. I'm making fun of myself. Self-depreciating humor chief. is almost my brand. And you should be insulted for it anyway. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Who brought this guy here today? Seriously. Uh, your mom. <laughs> I'm too proud to be mad at you. 
<laughs> Damn it. I got got. But you know what the Sabres might get? Mm-hmm. Is projected on your mock draft at WGR550.com, by yes. the way. Yes, that is correct. At the seventh overall pick, Cole Caulfield. Yeah. A player that a lot of Sabres fans have been keeping an eye on. Mm-hmm. And very happily because Caulfield is a prospect that puts pucks in the back of the net. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think that with the Sabres, it's certainly a situation where I think that Jason Bottrell would prefer to probably draft a centerman. But, uh, you know, with the centerman that they could draft, there's Turcotte, there's Kirby Dock, uh, Trevor Zegras, and all of them in my mock draft are off the board by the time the Sabres pick. And, and I mean, they could take Dylan Cousins, who is a, a pretty good centerman, who's very confident in his abilities, and he thinks that he is ready for the NHL day one. I don't think he's necessarily ready quite yet. He'll probably need one more good year in Lethbridge in the Western Hockey League. But uh, I, I just think that with the Sabres and their other need for goal scoring, uh, that's a huge issue for them, and they need to put the puck in the back of the net. And why not go out? draft the best goal scorer in this year's draft. I, and I, I get it. I understand. He's small, and a lot of people are going to shy away from that, only being at 5'7". But you look at the production that Alex DeBrinkett had yep. as a second-round pick in his second year in Chicago. He goes out and scores 40 goals. I think that that DeBrinkett and Caulfield play a, a similar game, their offensive style at least. I don't think Caulfield is as... Uh, tenacious, maybe not tenacious, but as gritty or as you know, willing to get his nose dirty as a guy like Alex Debrinket is, just because Debrinket he'll go to the net for a rebound and then cause a stir, kind of not like Brad Marchand and being dirty, but he'll he'll go in there and he'll get his nose dirty and everything. But um, it, but Caulfield still is a guy that can. I mean, he's just got an absolutely incredible release. And if you put him in the right situation, say, on a line with Jack Eichel, what makes you think that he's not going to produce the same rate that he did when he was playing alongside Jack Hughes at the U.S. Development Program? I mean, because Hughes is a very good playmaker who's obviously going to go number one or mm-hmm. number two, I guess, in this circumstance. In my mock draft, I'm going one to New Jersey like a lot of other people do. But I think so. Uh, I mean, if you put Caulfield on a line with Jack Eichel, he's probably going to do the same thing that he did with Jack Hughes, where Caulfield's just going to get the puck and he's going to find ways to to put the puck in the back of the net and I don't worry about the size I don't worry about that that threat that he's too small I think that the the scoring and and the, and you know he does skate really well I think that he is very strong for how small he is and I think that by the time he gets to the NHL he'll already have a year maybe two in Wisconsin playing in a really good program with guys like Turcott uh and and with another another guy at Sabres prospect and Linus Weisbach who I think uh, is another very good Sabres prospect that might come into the organization within another year or two. But I think Caulfield will be just fine, and, and I don't think people should shy away from him just because he's only 5'7 and a quarter. Yeah, size is not the uh, the issue here more so because of the fact that if there's a natural goal scorer, I'm taking that. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. that as a fan. And I'm I, we're going to hear it. You know we're going to hear it Yeah, about He's too small. Why did we draft a midget? It's it's dog. That's not how things. It's work. not. It's not just that way with some people in Buffalo. It's it's that way with a lot of people around the National Hockey League too. They yeah. they they fear the the small player and they fear that he's not going to be able to adjust to the NHL. That's just how it is. It it, it was like that for years. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of one of the biggest examples you can mention is uh, Marty St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, and and honestly, when Alex DeBrinket came out, 
I thought he was going to be a first rounder because I thought well, people I think were a lot going people to did. see him as a Marty St. Louis Cologne because yeah. I think that St. Louis and DeBrinket were almost identical comparisons to one another. Just uh, obviously St. Louis was, I think, retired at that point or on the verge of retiring, and DeBrinket was on the verge of coming in, but they were two very similar players. I think Johnny Gaudreau you can throw into this mix too yeah. because Gaudreau's he's very one. small. When he came out, he was incredibly small. Yep. Drafted fifth round, went to Boston College and played three, four years there, and he was a star. He was a very yep. well, highly, talented, uh, highly touted player out of college, and the Flames, obviously, they, they went in head and they signed him to his entry-level contract after they drafted him, and he's a, he's a star in the NHL now. I think that a lot of people have to view Caulfield in a very similar way, and I think that uh, whoever ends up with him is going to end up with one heck of a player. Now, is, is his size one of the, the main reason that you have him dropping to seven in the draft? Because... You look at, like, your top five is Hughes goes to New Jersey, mm-hmm. Kako goes to the Rangers. You have the Blackhawks taking Alex Turcotte mm-hmm. at three, and then Byram goes four to Colorado. And then you have Kirby Dot going five to the Kings. Yeah. To me, and it's, it's, just, my, it's just, my, just my opinion, I think Caulfield should be top five regardless right. in this draft because he's the be- he is the best goal scorer. Mm-hmm. But you have him dropping to seven with guy- with uh, Kirby Doc and uh, Trevor Zegras going above him. I don't think – I mean, because a lot of people also have Caulfield kind of any- anywhere between that five to, let's say, 12 range. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the size certainly does play a part of it. Another part of it is just because he's only a winger. It's not like he's a versatile guy where he can play center or he can play wing. Okay. He is solely a winger, and I think that – some teams are going to look at a Kirby Doc or going to look at a Trevor Zegras or look at a Dylan Cousins and say, okay, they're centermen, but if we have to, we can play flexibility with them and move them to the wing if necessary, where you're kind of taking a little bit more of a risk if you're drafting a winger because and they're just specifically a winger. I think that's always something that has to be taken into consideration. But, again, the, the fact that, that Caulfield is such a perennial goal scorer and, and just when the puck is on his stick – he can he can let it go and it finds the top corner of the net or yeah. it's it's just finding the back of the net in any way possible that just speaks volumes and and again I like Kirby Doc. I like Trevor Zegras. I like Alex Turcotte. I like Dylan Cousins. I like Turcotte a lot. I, I really like Turcotte. I wish he would fall to the Sabres at seven. I just don't think that's going to happen. If he falls well. again, I tweeted this out probably sorry probably a month ago, and and I said that if Alex Turcotte falls to the Buffalo Sabres at seven. The Sabres management should be running to the stage, and in the process, they should tear both of their hamstrings because they're trying to get up there <laughs> so fast to make the announcement that they're drafting Alex Turcotte. He's just such a great two-way centerman, and he's got the offensive capabilities to put up production in the NHL while also playing a solid two-way game that is that is ideal to be a second-line center in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I mean... People want to draw the comparison to Jonathan Taves. I don't know if I'd go that high with Turcotte, but still, Turcotte is a uh, is very much on the path of becoming a very good second line center in the NHL with the ability to flip up to the first line if needed. Like, I mean, if I mean, obviously, if Jack, I, I mean, if he gets drafted by the Sabers, and then I mean, I'm going to knock on wood here and and never hope this happens ever again. But let's say Jack Eichel gets hurt, eventually, when Turcotte develops into being that type of player that he could be. He'd be the oh, ideal be, player yeah. to flip up to the first line, yeah. and you'd have no worries about anything yeah. with him I mean, uh, playing that role. A potential center core of Eichel, Turcotte, and Middlestaff for the next 10 years is 
just sounds so right. scary. And even and even if think. you like, it just it'd be so much so much fun to watch. Right. And even if you look at the other centers in this in this class too, Derby. Uh, uh, wow, I was going to say Derby Koch. Uh, <laughs> Twitter memes there or whatever. Uh, Kirby Doc. He uh, he's a guy that's six four, nearly two hundred yeah. pounds. And he's just got such raw talent, and I don't think he's necessarily gotten to that that point where he's utilizing that talent completely. But once mm-hmm. he does, he could be a very good power forward, uh, good power center in this league, uh, and he's, he might be a force to be reckoned with. I think that his consistency isn't quite there yet with Saskatoon, uh, but once he does get that consistency down and once he is fully developed – I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with down the middle. And the same with Trevor Zegras. Zegras is arguably the third best centerman of the U.S. development program behind Hughes and Turcott. Yeah. But he is a dynamic playmaker. Yeah. And, and when the puck is on his stick, he just he just looks incredible. I mean, he almost kind of – I mean, I'm not going to say he lo- is Jack Eichel, but he kind of has that – Jack Eichel looked at him when he's got the puck on his stick. He's got a good reach to him, and he kind of, you know, he kind of keeps that puck away from him. But at the same point, he's kind of like got it tucked at the same point where it's very hard to get the puck off him. Very similar to Jack Eichel. But um, again, if any of those guys are available for the Sabers at seven, I'd love to take them. But again, with the with my mock draft here, all those guys are off the board. So at that point, it's Cousins. Uh, Cousins, Caulfield. I mean, the Sabres could go with a guy like Matt Boldy with yeah. that seventh pick. Boldy's another good winger that would be available, a good two-way guy that uh, would be very reliable for them. Uh, I mean, some of the other names that they could take, I guess, you know, Vasily Podkolzin, uh, let's see. You have him Peyton going Krebs. 16. Yeah, we'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. But, yeah. uh, but again, the Sabres will have plenty of good options at seven, and there are a lot of names that no matter who they take, Probably can't go wrong, really, unless I mean, unless they go for somebody that they're reaching on, and then that might be a little bit of a, a puzzling decision. But I, I don't think that they're in a position or that they would be in the, that position to go ahead and go reach for somebody like that. And a lot of those options, like primarily at forward for the Sabers there, because uh, the first defenseman that gets taken, Bowen Byram, but then in your mock draft, defenseman kind of get left alone for quite a little bit here. Mm -hmm. What is the defensive class looking like here in this one? I mean, it's not like the Sabres have organizational needs there. They went almost an entire draft last year drafting Mm defensemen, particularly Swedes. But... (laughs) Yeah. Or... or or their parents are Swedes, but they were raised American and, and played in, in the United States. I'm pretty sure Matthias Samuelson could be very confused for a Swede. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Very much so. No, the defensive <laughs> group this year, outside of Byram, I mean, Bowen Byram is clearly a top, not a not a like number one defenseman like Rasmus Dahlin is, but he's certainly like a number two guy. So, I mean, for instance, like if, uh, like, I kind of play around with my mock draft before I officially posted it because I was like, you know, hey, do I want to put, uh, you know, Bowen Byram going three? Because I think Chicago could certainly do that and then have a defensive group, a young defensive group to immediately replace guys like Seabrook, Duncan Keith, and, and have that next wave come in. Um, but, I mean, Bowen Byram is certainly like a number two guy, I think, in the NHL. When he fully develops, I think he can be a solid number two defenseman or a very, very solid 3-4 defenseman, second-pairing guy in the NHL. But after that, a lot of the guys that you see 
uh, available in the first round of this draft are very solid guys who have the potential to be a top-pairing defenseman, but are ideally like your your 3-4 defensemen. Guys like Soderstrom, guys like Cam York, Philip Broberg, uh, Moritz Seider. They're, those guys are guys who can develop certainly into ideal 3-4 defenders in this league with the possibility of being able to jump up into that second, that, that second number two defensive spot. I caught two Swedes in that. Mm-hmm. So they're they're my early favorites. Yeah, that you did. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously, a name to be intrigued by is Victor Soderstrom, just because he is a right-handed shot defenseman, and, and he and he's a very ideal two-way guy. He skates well. He distributes the puck. He's reliable in both ends of the ice. He's and a guy the Sabers that, might look to unload one of those. Yeah, I mean, they could, they could, and and let's say that they do pull a trade of Rasmus Ristolainen. the There's a hole open, and I know that Soderstrom's probably another year or two away ideally but I mean if if they want to that I mean I'd be okay with the Soderstrom pick uh and then after that you know you got guys like Cam York and Broberg they're a little bit more offensively York York is actually a little more reliable in the defensive end than than Broberg is Broberg is a little bit of a guy that um his stock has dropped since the start of the year because I mean right at the start of the year he was thought to be a, a a top 10 even top five pick but he's a guy that defensively kind of struggled throughout the year and and um and he's he's a very great skater though i mean i mean don't get me wrong his skating is exceptionally great uh but other than that um he's just got to shore up his defensive game and maybe get a little more consistent but uh and, and of course then cider is the the high riser of this group where uh he had a great season in germany playing with uh adler Mannheim, won a championship there in the, in the german league uh and then he also helped Germany get back to the top division of the uh, World Junior Championship for next year. He'll probably be on that team again. Yeah. And he also impressed against men in the uh, World Championship playing with Germany. So uh, I have Sider going 15 to the Canadians. I think that that would be a, a pretty good fit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, um, of course, if they're looking for defense. Because you never know what team what a team actually is looking for. Or, you know, obviously it's the best player available approach. But... You know, there there are those instances where it's just like, well, we could use a centerman, we could use a defenseman here. These, I mean, he's he's highly ranked on our board. Let's go. I would watch for Broberg a lot heading into tomorrow night mm-hmm. um, because I've I've been reading that teams Edmonton, like Vancouver and Edmonton, Edmonton and are Vancouver, really yeah. high on them. Vancouver's actually looking to move up mm-hmm. ahead of Edmonton so they can get him. even to even to six possibly yeah. ahead of Buffalo as well, yeah. which. I mean, I don't think they'd have to go that far to to get their guy if they really want to take Broberg. Um, I, I the thing about Broberg is just I worry about his defensive play. Yeah. He's, he's not terrible, but I mean at this at the same point he has lapses in his game, but he's still a a very good prospect, and there's no doubt in my mind that he'll one day probably be an NHL defenseman, but. How that path will will be compared to a, a Soderstrom or some of the other defensemen available yeah. in this draft will be probably a little different. But I mean, he's gonna. I mean, Broberg's gonna play in the Swedish Hockey League this year. He's not gonna be uh, in the uh, in the Allsvenskan League, the, the yeah. second division of the Swedish league. Um, but he's. I mean, Broberg will will develop. He'll probably take, in my opinion, a couple years yeah. to play fully in the Swedish Hockey League, and then by that point, I think he'll be probably ready to jump to North America and at least start in the American Hockey League. I think, though, that 
the, that kind of news that it seems like Vancouver and Edmonton are really high on on him. Mm-hmm. I think that's advantage Sabers. Yeah, big time. With, yeah, especially, especially if Vancouver trades up ahead of Buffalo, like right. with Detroit. That just means that a guy like Hallfield or Zegras or mm-hmm. Eric Cousins, one of them is going to drop. Yeah, and and another thing to think about too is you know if they if the Canucks want to pull a trade off with the Sabers to go that ahead too. and move up, they could. Move some pretty important capital. Yep. I mean, obviously you'd get the tenth pick. You might get a, you might get an additional pick. Maybe, I mean, I would guess third round at the very least. Maybe a second rounder they'd be willing to throw in there. Maybe you get a player. Maybe even get a player as well. Maybe maybe you get a guy like Jake Vertanen who yeah. uh, who has some upside but has never put it together in the NHL. Maybe a change of scenery would help him out there. Yep. Who knows? I mean, uh, um, there's other players that they could acquire, but uh, you know the the capital to move up that much, three or four spots, especially to get higher up in the top ten, uh, that might be a pretty price to pay. And if the Sabres get a good return, maybe they take that shot. So the other thing is is that they're not done when they select in the top ten, wherever mm-hmm. that may be. If they decide to try to move up or down and manipulate a draft board, that's on them. But the other thing is is that they have pick 31. And there are people they that do. probably want to see that pick traded to try to land more immediate help for this team. Or or land more picks in the second round. Because they could, they could easily go yeah. out and get a pick fairly high in the second. But ultimately, there's still another pick here. And they could very well be making this. You have them selecting what I would sense to be a rarity from Jason Bottrell. A CHL player. Yeah. Um, I mean, the 31 pick, there's going to be obviously some names that will probably fall that a lot of people didn't expect. But, you know, with with how everything plays out, even even a guy like Connor McMichael might not even fall. He might be pay- taken a little bit higher than uh, anticipated. But, I mean, I have the Sabres taking McMichael. Uh, a guy with really good hands and tight, really good uh, hockey IQ getting to the net and, and making some good plays. He plays with really good speed. Uh, and he finished. He's a finisher. I, uh, from what I've seen with him playing with London this year, I, I think that he's done a fairly good job finishing in close. And and he's kind of that guy that you know when the puck is wide open, you expect somebody to put the puck in the back of the net. He's been able to do that at a fairly consistent basis with London. Um, you know, and and this year when he in his second year with London, he was originally a, a property of Hamilton, got traded to London, didn't really put up too much last year, but this year. He scored 36 goals and had 67, or uh, what's the click math here? 72 points in 67 games, and then in the playoffs he was he had five points in 11 games. So there's a lot of potential here with with McMichael, and if he's available for the Sabers, I think they would jump all over it. Talk about the potential of the Sabers if they if they were to take uh, Pat Colson. You met we meant, we mentioned him earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you have him going 16 to Colorado. Yeah. Um, but you know he's a guy who could go around the mid first round, but he could also go easily in the top 10 too. Yeah. I mean, personally, I really like Vasily Pat Colson. Watching him at the Ivan Helinka tournament, he was dominant. Mm-hmm. He dominated that tournament. He was playing. I mean, he was playing with speed, tenacity. He was taking the puck to the net real hard. And then throughout the year, I mean, at the at the World Juniors, he played pretty well. He didn't put up the, the greatest production, but he was doing everything that head coach Val, uh, uh, Valeri Bragan wanted him to do. And he was getting all the minutes, which is very rare for a 17-year-old on that team to do. So he was getting minutes, getting the opportunities, playing power play. Um, I think he was playing some penalty kill. I, I, I can't necessarily remember off the top of my head if he was, but I mean, still getting the minutes and, and being on the ice for the Russians. 
Uh, as the season went on, um, you know, I didn't watch him. I didn't get the chance to watch him as much throughout the year while he was playing in the Russian junior leagues or whatever. But he did a lot of jumping around. And by the time that he got to the under-18 World Championship, I mean, he had said it himself that he was kind of gassed, and he kind of looked that way. Not that he played terrible in that tournament. It's just he wasn't as, you know, he didn't play with that pizzazz, and he didn't jump out as much as he did in the earlier tournaments, in the earlier uh, parts of the season. He, he, you know, he's kind of kind of run down. Um, but, you know, I mean, if I'm the, I mean, if I was the Sabres, I'd, I'd definitely look into him seriously at the seventh pick. Because I think he's going to fall. I think that teams are going to be concerned like they were when Vladimir Tarasenko and Evgeny Kuznetsov mm-hmm. came out. And both those guys, arguably, if you did a redraft, they would be top five picks in, in the draft. They turned out pretty in their well. Drafts. I mean, both of them are Stanley Cup champions now. And, and Pod Colson is a guy that I think could easily be in that same picture as as. Do you think Tarasenko. they could uh, move up from 31 to try to strike? I mean, maybe. I mean, if they, if they did that, I think I'd be ecstatic. I think that I would, you know... Tip my hat to Jason Bottrell for being able to do that, to trade up from 31 to get wherever they are, however far Pod Colson falls. But it, but the situation where Colorado's in, I think it's a perfect situation for them to just take Pod Colson because you get Bowen Byram, you address a defensive uh, a defensive need, even though they really don't need a defenseman, but he's a he's going to be a really good defenseman in this league. And then Pod Colson at 16, if he falls to them, it's just like okay, we've already hit a, a really nice. Shot with Byram at four. Why not take the risk of drafting Pod Colson? Let him play his two years in Russia, and then after that, if he comes over, great. If not, yeah, certainly we took the risk. But at the same point, we still hold his rights for a little bit. I think for the four years, mm-hmm. and then you know we'll see. We'll see if he wants to come over. I mean, Colorado has the ability to take that chance. And if they do that, a lot of people are going to look at Colorado and just be like, they they won the draft immediately. Yeah. Because you you got the top defenseman and you acquired arguably one of the top wingers in this in this entire draft class, maybe the top winger of the class. Bowen oh. Byram on Colorado just sounds so mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Not he, just him or him with Sam Gerrard there, and then you have Barry and Eric Johnson, and then Kel McCarsk, an up and comer as yeah. well. Oh my God! All right, well, Brayton, you're here for a real treat now to end this. Mm-hmm. First off. I'm here to remind you that Brayton Wilson will be all over this NHL draft as he is on tomorrow night with Joe DiBiase and then again on Saturday all day taking you through all of the rounds of the NHL draft. Brayton is your dude. And his mock draft is up at WGR550.com. You in for a real treat here? You ready for this? Okay, I'm ready. It's time. The Dummy of the Week. Dante, I'm trying to fight these demons, but I'm dummy thick and the clap of my ass keeps alerting them. Oh, boy. It's a it's a weekly thing we do actually on every Thursday where we point out the dumbest thing that has happened in the sports world, whether it be sports media, sports person, athlete, anything. Ooh. Or or one time it was me because I, was, I tried I was, orange vanilla Coca Cola. I was disgusting. worried for a second. I was worried that you kept me on for this because you're the dummy of the week, well, I mean, I, and I would be humbled by that. First off, you got to do something stupid like try orange vanilla Coca Cola and think that it's a good idea. Uh, that's that's how I got one. Um, so I had to take that L. No, this one comes uh, courtesy of Logan Murdoch. He writes for NBC Sports Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Okay. And the headline is this. Ready? Go. The Lakers' acquisition of AD is a first clear sign that the rest of the league is coming for the Warriors' crown. Hang on a damn minute. 
<laughs> I don't remember things going that way. Wait. Yeah. Wait. Are we in an alternate reality where Wait. the Warriors dynasties continued? Wait. What Warriors crown are you talking about, dog? Wait. <laughs> Toronto didn't win it in six? I guess in his eyes. I guess it, there's a certain parade that reminds me that yeah. that's not the case. But, uh, but yeah. So what are, your, what are your thoughts there on uh, your experiencing of the dummy of the week? Sounds pretty stupid, don't it? Um, I mean, I I don't know. I'm just so <laughs> tired of the Golden State Warriors and, and their – But they lost. What crown are they coming for? I, I know. But it's it's the crown of I don't know the Western Conference. I get I get where it's coming from. I get I just, where it's coming it's from not too. Yeah, right. To, I don't, he, they, right. So he if I was a journalist in like 1992, the the moves that the Miami Dolphins have made are going to challenge the Bills' crown. Hang on a damn minute. Have they won the Super Bowl yet? No. Let's calm down here. Right. Like, but <laughs> it, it's the crown of AFC title in your instance. But with this one, it's... he's in like the the headline makes it sound like they won. Oh, I know. And they didn't win. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what I mean. Like that's why it's it's not worded correctly. I get where he's where he's coming. Where what he's trying to say, where it's the Lakers are going for beating the Warriors it's, in the it's Western still, Conference. To me, that's still pretty dumb. Yeah, I mean, it, it's still dumb. Like, and the that. fact that like that that was able to coast through. That's lazy headline writing, Brayton. It's lazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and dumb. And therefore, Logan Murdoch and NBC Sports in San Francisco, you have won the Dummy of the Week. Yes, I roll back in the chair so that I don't peek and overmodulate everything, but yet I still get to yell. It's actually... Quite what, refreshing. What you might want to do is just create a, a, a drop of that and then oh, just I do. throw it in. Oh, there is one. There oh, is there one. is. Okay. You just you just take out that and then, yeah. okay. and then I put that in. Gotcha. And actually, that drop is me yelling the same exact gotcha. thing in the same exact tone. I've kind of got it down at this point. Uh, I, was, I was just about to say the, the post-production value would, would be like ideal, but you, you've got it already panned down. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's panned down. And sometimes sorry, – Sorry for the uh, – No, so- no. It's, it, it, <laughs> look, I'm already on the your mind, level on The that. great minds think alike. And sometimes I'm so dummy thick that the clap of my ass keeps alerting them, okay? Oh, man. <laughs> the things you come up with. <laughs> I don't come up with them. I just like to recycle old memes. The, the things that you come up with, though, on a dime in, in this instance. That is why I have a podcast, not an actual <laughs> show. Yeah, I, don't, right. I don't know how the FCC would like that. I mean, that's fine. I could say that you the can, clap of my ass you, you is alerting can, them. Okay, maybe not the FCC. Just, <laughs> just your boss, your bosses, whoever your bosses are. I mean, I think they'd be fine with me saying it if I'd never said it. Yeah. That's why it's on the podcast. Because there's a little more The beauty of podcasts. Freedom, I, I guess. Yes, yes, it's a WGR official podcast, but... We have a little more freedom around here. That's fine, and and it's always good to have that freedom. I mean, after the Stanley Cup win by the Blues, we bleeped out as many words as possible just in the spirit of them launching all of the F-bombs. It was hilarious. So It was pretty great. Their celebration was very much it ideal. It was fantastic. You put a live mic there. you got to expect it's going to happen. Oh, right. my God, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, anyway. You just won a championship. You, you played... 82 plus games in a season to win the Stanley Cup. And yeah. I would, I'd be doing the exact same thing. All right. Well, thank you, Brayton. No, thank you guys. This has Appreciate been the Leftovers it. Podcast. Derek Kramer, Frank R. Curry, and uh, Brayton Wilson here. Thank you for listening. No, thank you. And 
I thank them. You could, I guess you could also thank them. Uh, but anyway, you could listen to more of Brayton, and he could thank you an extra time by listening to him all weekend here Friday and Saturday with the NHL draft. Who knows what the Sabres do? Who knows if anything else wacky happens? What I do know, though, is that the clap of my ass does keep alerting them, and I am dummy thick. <laughs> <laughs>